Welcome to the Allen and Overy podcast on the new Dutch scheme. To put this into context, in June 2019, the Commission published a new directive on preventative restructuring frameworks, which will require each member state to introduce, by June 2021, new restructuring tools equivalent to the English scheme of arrangement. Now, the Netherlands is already head of the game in this. They have been working for some time on their legislation to introduce a new scheme in the Netherlands. In this podcast today, we're going to look at the Dutch scheme and some of its key features and compare it with the English scheme that perhaps listeners are more familiar with. And we're going to ask some very important questions about how the Dutch scheme is going to work in practice. Now, I am joined for this podcast by Sigrid Janssen, a restructuring partner from our Amsterdam office, and Brekje van der Helden, who is the head of our Amsterdam office, uh, and I will talk about the scheme from a litigation perspective. So turning to you first, Sigrid, what is the status of the Dutch legislation? Has it yet come into force? We have been closely involved in the whole legislation process and the debate has been going on for over five years. But I think it's fair to say that we are now really nearly there. The draft bill is now with Parliament and we expect it to be approved and implemented in early 2020. Interesting. So who knows? Maybe it will come into force before the UK leaves the EU, if that ever happens. But that's not a subject for today. So turning to Brekje, Does that mean that the Act now is in final form? Is there any chance of further amendments? I'm afraid there is a risk on further amendments because it's put to Dutch Parliament and they are allowed to suggest amendments to the bill. At the same time, given the fact that many um, interested parties were closely involved in drafting the bill, we don't expect any amendments to be material. Uh, So we're still expecting that it will come into force in June 2020. And it's also important to realize that it has to come into effect on the basis of the directive June 2021 at the latest. So it will really happen. So that means that people can start doing their planning based on the draft as it stands. Thank you. So Sigrid, what are the key features of the Dutch scheme? What what is it all about? Well, first of all, it's, I think, a significant milestone for our Dutch insolvency legislation. Uh, The Dutch scheme is similar to the UK scheme. It, in fact, combines flexible features of the UK scheme, an out-of-court process and flexible in terms, with the certainty of a US Chapter 11, including a possible stay. Debtors can basically impose a compromise on all their creditors, where only one class with a two-third majority can bind the minority. The plan itself can contain basically everything, from an amendment and termination of onerous contracts to an elimination of debt. That does sound hugely significant. Now, Brekje, one of the things I have heard is that there's going to be less court involvement compared with an English scheme. So, for example, I understand that there's no convening hearing where creditors are divided into classes and no right of appeal for a disgruntled creditor. Is that right? And if so, how are creditors' rights going to be protected? The procedure is indeed designed to be swift and therefore there is limited court involvement, uh, but there is sufficient court involvement, in my opinion, to protect the interests of the creditors. Um, Although... 
also there is no right of appeal. So you have to be very aware when the process goes on, because instead one can ask the court to issue binding determination before the plan is put to a vote on matters of uncertainty. And exactly that opportunity provides you with the possibility to, for example, debate about the class formation or the valuation. And I think this sufficiently ensures the right of the creditors are still protected. So it sounds like your advice is that if you do have concerns, raise them at an early stage. Absolutely. And you you also have to be very uh, closely involved in the preparation of the plan to make sure you don't miss out on that opportunity. So although there will be less court involvement at the convening hearing, there will, of course, be the confirmation of the plan. Now, Sigrid, how will judges in the Netherlands approach that task of plan confirmation? Well, as Brechtje also already mentioned, um, there are these preliminary judgments possible where uh, the Dutch court will look at valuations, class formations, eligibility. Um, And we believe the Dutch courts will require expert opinions uh, to be able to be satisfied that the liquidation value or the reorganization value is as it is in the reports. Uh, So we expect Dutch courts um, to also want to learn uh, from English and US experts uh, and require expert opinions before they're able to um, confirm the plan. Thank you. And a related question to that, Sigrid, I understand that the Dutch scheme has adopted the so-called absolute priority rule, whereby a junior class of creditors or perhaps shareholders cannot receive any value as part of the restructuring unless all the more senior classes have been paid in full. Is that right that you have to comply with the absolute priority rule? And doesn't that make the whole thing a little rigid or inflexible? Well, the starting point in the Netherlands is indeed the absolute priority rule. Um, And uh, there are exceptions possible to that standard rule. And that is if there are reasonable grounds to deviate from the absolute priority rule. And secondly, if affected creditors are offered either a fair share in the reorganization value or a cash out option at liquidation value. Very interesting. Thank you. So it sounds like it is perhaps more flexible than than it would first appear. Now, Brekia, a question for you. I've heard talk of the restructuring expert who will play a key role in the Dutch scheme. Who is this person? What, What role do they play? And will the creditors be allowed to choose who is appointed? The restructuring expert can be appointed in two ways. First of all, by the company itself, when it feels it needs assistance in preparing the plan, but also if the company is not acting at the request of creditors, shareholders, works council. Um, So as a creditor, you don't have to watch uh, uh, the company doing nothing, but you can step in and request the court for the appointment of a restructuring expert. We don't know yet because it's not regulated how the appointment will work, but we expect it to work similar to the appointment in a Dutch insolvency proceeding of the bankruptcy trustee. And that is that a creditor asking for the insolvency, so in this case, the creditor asking for the appointment of the restructuring expert 
to make suggestions to the court and express a preference as to who the expert will be. In a typical Dutch restructuring situation, um, this might, uh, well, limit the possibilities to appoint uh, a highly qualified but also expensive restructuring expert. But we expect that, especially when it comes to cross-border situation, the court will be very well aware that the expertise is required of, for example, accounting firms uh, or other financial experts to make this really work. So we also expect them to accept that those work for higher fees than, than we are used to in the Netherlands. Sigrid, I want to talk to you about the question of recognition of the Dutch scheme. We've done a separate podcast on whether the English scheme of arrangement will continue to be recognised post-Brexit. And the conclusion we reached is that it will but it is going to be more complex than it was before. What about the Dutch scheme? Is that going to get automatic recognition across Europe under the European legislation? Well, we have um, chosen to get the best of both worlds. Again, flexibility is key under the new Dutch scheme. So we have two different procedures. You've got the public procedure, which is automatically recognized across the European Union on the basis of our European insolvency regulation. But the COMI must obviously be in the Netherlands and rights in REM exceptions under the EU insolvency regulation may complicate the scheme. So secondly, we've got the private procedure, uh, which will not be automatically recognized in the European Union, um, but can be recognized in the European Union on the basis of international private laws and perhaps on the basis of Brussels or Rome 1, um, similar grounds as the UK scheme is currently being recognized on in, in, in Europe. And the basis for a private procedure is that there must be sufficient connection to the Netherlands, again, similar to the UK scheme, um, so a wider jurisdiction possibility if you do a private scheme. Very interesting. That sounds to me like a very clever solution to the recognition issue. So this all sounds very impressive. Sigrid, are we going to see people using the new Dutch scheme in preference to the UK scheme? Well, the Dutch scheme is not meant as a competition to the English scheme of arrangements. It was really meant to provide a proper alternative to Dutch companies having a global business that they need to restructure. Um, So the best thing for the the Dutch companies is now that they don't need to move their Comey to England anymore or change the governing law of their their financial indebtedness to scheme um, their creditors. I think there are also maybe three key uh, features um, that are different from the UK scheme of arrangement, which may make it more attractive Uh, also for other legal entities than only Dutch companies. And that's first of all that you could do, uh, for example, a debt equity swap without the cooperation of the shareholder. So you could swap senior or junior liabilities into equity uh, and where you would used to require a shareholder approval or a shareholder decision to issue new equity, uh, the, the Dutch scheme will come in place of that shareholder approval. That's the first difference. Secondly, we've got the option of cross-class cram down in the Netherlands, basically meaning that 
uh, one class of creditors can cram down other classes of creditors. They just need to be in the money creditors. And if in the money affected creditors are in favor of a plan, they can cram down dissenting classes like junior or equity classes. Thirdly, we've got the possibility of a stay uh, on enforcement or the application of insolvency procedures. I think that's also a key difference from the UK scheme of arrangements where you don't have the possibility of a moratorium. And finally, that's the fourth point, but I already mentioned that is the recognition part, which is also a key difference from the UK scheme. That is very interesting. And I think the cross-class cram-down in particular uh, sounds very attractive. As people will know, under an English scheme of arrangement, it is not possible to cram down a dissenting class. And therefore, you have to use a different mechanism, for example, administration or a transfer of the assets away from out-of-the-money creditors uh, in order to deal with a dissenting class. So that aspect in particular sounds very interesting. It is worth noting, I think, that the UK is proposing to introduce the concept of a cross-class cram down as part of their reforms to UK insolvency law. Um, so perhaps the UK government will be looking very closely at the Dutch legislation in that regard. So just to sum up, it sounds like there are some very important distinctions between the Dutch scheme and the English scheme. Breck has talked about the fact that there is no convening hearing, which perhaps reduces the costs involved in the process. But it does mean that creditors' rights will need to be protected. And in that respect, Brecria mentioned the important role of the restructuring expert um, who will be there uh, as a sounding board uh, for creditors who, who feel that their rights are not being fully protected. Sigrid mentioned the important concept of cross-class cram-down and also the moratorium uh, that, that may be available in the context of the Dutch scheme. Another very important difference uh, with the UK, which doesn't at the moment have a stay as part of the scheme, or, although we do try to get around that uh, by using things like the scheme light uh, that was used in MetInvest to introduce a moratorium as part of the English scheme. And then finally, uh, Sigrid mentioned recognition. The fact that if you use the public process for a company with its centre of main interest in the Netherlands, it will get automatic recognition across the EU. And it remains to be seen whether that lack of recognition will be an issue for the UK post-Brexit. I think it just remains for me to thank my two speakers, Sigrid and Brecker, for their very interesting insights on the new Dutch scheme. Thank you. <laughs>